Well, we're in part six on a series called Home Remedies, and um, been praying for all of our homes, families, marriages, and so forth. And um, we're going to go two more weeks on this, and then that will bring us up to Palm Sunday, and then the next Sunday is Easter. We will be having uh, four services on Easter weekend, Saturday night, plus the three Sunday mornings. We're making space because, I don't know, there's some people, that's when they come to church. I don't fault them for that. I want to celebrate when they do get here. We want to make it as life-giving as possible. I want you to invite people. Y'all hear me? You know, we make the big deal. Typically, we, all, all people, tend to make the big deal Christmas. And Christmas is an awesome deal. Uh, but really, the big deal is Easter. And uh, I want to continue to shift our church culture more and more toward, you know, that being the, the, the big deal. That's what made the difference. And um, so we're going to have an awesome celebration that weekend. So go ahead and be, be inviting people and so forth. Well, let's, let's dive right in. We've got a lot to cover today. We're um, at a point in the series where I can't go back and review very much. And especially in light of uh, what we want to look at here today. Proverbs 24, verse, 20, uh, verse 3 and 4 in the Amplified Bible. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom is a house. And please don't get tired of this verse. I've read it every week on this, but this is our foundation. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house. Notice, notice parenthetically here, a life, a home, a family. So there's the word picture for us. A house representing a life, a home, a family is built. That word built there in the Hebrew has the idea of to build or to rebuild. And guess what? There are lives, homes, and families that need to be built. And there's... Lives, homes, and families that need to be rebuilt. It says, and by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And so it's, it's skillful and godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that will help to build and rebuild. Put us on a firm, stable place. And then fill out your life so it's pleasant and furnished, so to speak. And that means that wisdom... wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, there are some things that we're going to have to come to know. There's some things that we're going to have to clearly know, embrace, and uh, apply in our life. And and that is us working with God so that he can do that work in our life, in our home, and in our family. We have an enemy who hates your family, hates your home, hates your life. And uh, he works against us. And he's very, uh, he's a hard worker. Uh, Not very creative. Keeps using the same dumb things. How many of you know your whole life the devil keeps playing the same trick on you? Yeah, and keeps getting you caught in the same same old things. He knows what buttons to push on you. How many of you know some of y'all have more buttons than other 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 people? How many of you know some of y'all are like NASA control room? You know they got lot, lots of you know that's old joke. I just wanted to use it. So okay, um, we have talked about the fact that it is not. So important, I'm not minimizing it, but the important thing is not so much what has happened until now. How many of you would guess that until now you've probably made a mistake or two? Could could I see it? Come on, all right. Uh, We haven't gotten it right, you know, and that shows up in a lot of different ways. And many of you are paying the price for that. We've got scars. We've got different things um, because of what has happened until now. Here's the important thing. What happens from now? What happens from now? I I can't, you can't really do much about what has happened until now. But we can do something from what happens from now. And that's where we're getting instruction from God's word that that would help us in this. Now, 
It has been said that all roads lead back to somebody's house. All roads lead back to somebody's house. It has to do with your story. You kind of are the way you are. If we follow the road back to your house where you came from. Come on. Um, Let me illustrate this way. There was a uh, itinerant preacher. Reverend James. It was back in the 1870s, 1880s. He was itinerant preacher. Circuit riding. Spreading the gospel. He got connected with some guys that were also prospecting for gold. He thought that was a good thing because I can provide him better for my family and also for the work of God. And uh, here's the downside, though. He was gone all the time from his family. And he felt bad about that. And Reverend James felt, uh, felt especially bad about that because he had two sons back home. And their names were Frank and Jesse James. And in case you don't know who that is. Back in the 1870s, 1880s, Frank and Jesse were notorious bank robbers, train robbers, shot up a lot of people. All stories lead back to somebody's house. Dad was gone. A lot of other things. So what do we do? How do we look at this? Chuck, Chuck Swindoll, who's one of my favorite radio preachers, said this. No home suddenly fractures. It is a slow erosion based on choices. So you see a family, a relationship, breakup, fracture. It's not just an all of a sudden thing. Very few things are just an all of a sudden, boom, that happened. How did they suddenly lose their mind? It's, it's a slow erosion based on choices. Uh, the inverse is true too. What makes our homes strong and, and steady and secure? It's, again, the slow, day-by-day, deliberate, making the right choices. But that erosion that happens through choices brings us to a place then where we're very vulnerable and susceptible to to fracture. And so this really makes me think about atmosphere, the atmosphere of our home, that story leading back to home, to our house. You know, think about the good things and the bad things that you were raised in, the good things and the bad things of the home that you were over or or a part of, you know, and, and what do we do with this? We've talked about the fact that home, we all have a, a, a responsibility. We must, we must cultivate and guard an atmosphere. That's going to be our word today. Everybody say atmosphere. We've got to cultivate and guard an atmosphere where people can grow and where people can heal. You know, we've talked about the fact that everybody's got to have a place to prepare and to come back and repair. There has to be an atmosphere in our homes where people can grow, where they can thrive, where they can develop and become all that God wired them to be. Are are y'all, y'all with me this morning? And, and, uh, that atmosphere is a very, very important thing that we've got to guard and watch. Atmosphere determines a lot. Environment determines a lot. It determines what can grow there. You know, just think about it. Um, Mars, the planet Mars, you know, there's been intrigue with Mars forever. You know, as a kid coming up, there are all kinds of movies about Martians, you know, and a lot of uh, science fiction and, and things like that. And, and still, I mean, how much money has NASA spent on uh, probes to Mars to see if there's life on Mars? Now, I don't know if there's life on Mars, but I will tell you this one thing. If there is life on Mars, it's not like life here. Amen. And I'll tell you why. It's because of this, because of the atmosphere. It's because of the environment. It's, it's entirely different. 
And so uh, the other morning I was, I was making myself some breakfast and I had out some blackberries and some raspberries and some strawberries and some blueberries. I like berries. And, and I was getting that all together and I, and I looked at the packaging and it's like one of the things was from Chile or Chile, uh, California, Plant City, in Mexico. And not long ago, I had some oranges, and they were actually from Israel. Now, what, why? Why are they from there? Because those are places where they can, can grow. I had no fresh berries or fruit from Minnesota. Because it just... It, it ain't happening, especially this winter, you know, uh, they're not known for that. And, but I tell you what, they're going to have oranges and strawberries and things that are shipped to them from, from a place where they, where the environment was conducive for them to grow. Now think about our homes. Our homes need to be that place. They need to be that place where we can grow and where we can heal It's so vital. And you say, what do we need to heal from? Come on. Do you live the same world that we live in? I mean, there's always things that are, that are trying to damage us in different ways. Well, God describes, I think, the perfect atmosphere, the ideal atmosphere for, for home. In Isaiah 32, verse 18, if you're out there, say something. He says, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Now, how many of you know that a realtor cannot guarantee that? You know, it's like, a, tell you what I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy one of those. Um, wouldn't we all? But you know, that, that has a lot to do with the atmosphere that you allow or the atmosphere that you cultivate and create. Peaceful habitations. How many of you want that? Peaceful habitations, secure dwellings, and quiet resting places. Now, that's the scriptural ideal, and we want to get as close to that as we can. At least I do. At least I do. Now, home then, the atmosphere of our home, let me give you, I think, the biggie that needs to be in our home, peace. Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Say it again, peace. Peace. Um, Both the Old Testament and New Testament words for peace pretty much mirror each other. They ride the same track. It talks about um, wholeness. It talks about a sense of well-being and security. It's freedom from distress and disturbance and conflict. It does carry the idea of um, getting along with others. But don't let that be the only indicator of peace. Uh, It is both. It is the lack of conflict. It is the getting along. But it it is also a sense. A sense of well-being. A sense of wholeness. Actually, the, the Old Testament word for uh, peace, shalom, has, it's a very much a parallel to salvation, to wholeness that God would bring, bring to us and want for us. Y'all, y'all there? Y'all there? Okay. Um, and we want that. I want that. And, and I want you to know this. It needs to be in our home because listen to this. And let me get your attention on this. Watch me on this. We wither without peace. Spirit, soul, body, we wither without peace. How many of you know that we can have peace and lose peace? And you can feel it, can't you? 
I mean, you're all happy and peace and going along and then somebody rains on your parade. You know, something happened, something said, whatever. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And you can, you can feel peace go. You can feel it. And we start to wither. We've got to stay in that. That is the element that, that, we, that we need is, is that peace. We wither without peace. But listen to this. But we thrive. We thrive in peace. Where there is peace, we thrive. You know, sometimes there's school children. You know, and, and I remember times in my, in my own life, my parents went through a, just a, uh, and I'm not cussing here, but they went through a hellish divorce. And I can remember that affecting me at school. I can remember, you know, a teacher, uh, what's up with you? What's your, and she didn't, you know, she didn't know what was going on. And, and, you know, I'm starting to fight. I can't pay attention. Um, you know, couldn't be creative, not smiling, not laughing. I was not, not myself. There were, I can remember time. I can remember a teacher being very, very hard on me during that time too, because she didn't know what was going on. And then as she began to find those things out, then she began to, you know, kind of nurture that a little bit. I'm, I'm telling you, we, we are meant to live in peace. When we don't have peace, listen to me, you're not fully who you want to be, who you ought to be. We wither without that. And we've, we've got to, and this is going to sound contradictory, but listen to me, you've got to fight for peace. You've got to fight for peace. We've got to have that. In our homes, in the atmosphere of our homes. And not just for us, but for our precious children, for our grandchildren, for even for people to come in our home. I think the highest compliment that could be paid if somebody walked in your home is not like, wow, you sure decorate nice. Or wow, it smells good in here. I think the highest compliment would be, I, I, I feel peace. I feel peace here. Let, let's fight for peace. Can I get an amen out of the church today? Now. Peace that I'm talking about is the manifest presence of God. That's the peace we're talking about. The manifest presence of God. So listen to this. Strife, stress, heaviness. That's the manifest presence of the enemy. Did y'all hear that? And guess what? What did we establish about the enemy? He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your home. He hates generations connected to you. He hates you. And you know what? If strife, stress, heaviness is in your home, you need not allow that to stay in your home. That's the enemy. That's the manifest presence of the enemy in in your home. Are are y'all hearing me today? It's like some of those movies, you know, somebody's been calling and threatening you and they're after you. And it's like, oh, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden another call comes and they said, stay on the line with them. And you do. And they trace the call and go, he's upstairs. (laughs) Ah! What are you going to do then? I didn't know you there. Come on. We're eating. What if you walked into your kitchen one morning and there's some large critter and they've made a mess and they're into stuff and they're just there. Are you just going to go, well, howdy, <laughs> want a bowl of milk or something? No, you're, you're going to throw things, yell at things, yell things, call for help. You're going to do something to get that out of you. We've got to fight for peace. You can't just allow and you say, but pastor, you don't, you don't know who I live with, what I live with. You don't, you don't know what all's going on in, in my, in my home. Listen, I'm telling you, peace will overcome strife, stress. I'm talking about the manifest. 
the manifest presence of God will trump anything else that's in your home. It will. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who else lives in that home, so to speak. You're there. And if you're a child of peace, Luke says that peace remains with you. And we can have the peace of God where you're at. Yeah, there might be some things that definitely need to change. And, and we're going to look at some ways that that can happen. And you've, you've got a lot to do with that as well. Um, let's go ahead and we're going to dive into some things here. If peace is the manifest presence of God, then this is what I think. Peace is the most valuable thing in your home. Did y'all get that? If peace is the manifest presence of God, then I think peace is the most valuable thing in your home. The most valuable thing in your home, then you're going to treat that pretty good. I mean, what do you do with the most valuable thing in your home? Well, you might want to insure it. Well, yeah, we'll insure it. We're not going to hide it. We want it out. We want to display it properly. We're going to take good care of it. We're going to restore it if needed. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to give others in that home instructions about the most valuable thing in our house. But, you know, if they mess with it, you go, hey, who's been messing with the peace? I told you don't touch it. And I told you if you move anything, you put it back where you got it. Okay, most valuable thing in our house. Now, this is not the most valuable thing in our house, but it is a value. After about 16, 17 years last year, we got new carpet in the house. Well, guess what? We got some new rules too. <laughs> like take your shoes off and don't carry food up into your rooms and, and, and things like that. Why? Because we, we've got a fresh start. Um, you value it. You want to take good care of it. And the same is true of peace. And I, I pray that you'll start to really think entertainment is not the most valuable thing in your house. You being right is not the most valuable thing in your house. I mean, think about all these things. The manifest presence of God, the peace of God in your home, that is the most valuable thing in your house. Can I get another amen this morning? So you would say, how can I get some of this peace? Well, the real stuff only comes from God. He is the only authorized dealer. And we can only get it from him. He is the Prince of Peace. You can't get this on Craigslist or eBay or Sam's Club, okay? This is, this is from God. He is the Prince of Peace. So our peace comes from God. That's where this starts. Let me show you something. You probably have seen this before. But it starts with God. And what we're after is peace. And this is what you've probably seen. Know God... You'll know peace. Know God. No peace. Now, Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, there is, help me, no peace. There's no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Let's define wicked here. It means wrong. It means un godly, ungodly, wrong, ungodly question. Can a Christian do something wrong? Can a Christian actually make an ungodly decision? Uh, think about something ungodly, live ungodly. Absolutely. And that's why you can find a believer who technically is connected to God, but they have no peace in their life because they're doing it wrong, doing it ungodly. And so 
It, you can corner God out of your life. Instead, what we need is to know God. He is the source of our peace. Uh, Romans tells us that peace is only given through relationship. We have peace with God, our father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians tells us that he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Not everything perfect in our house is peace. He himself is our peace and that peace comes from him. Now, if we're going to have peace from God, now follow me on this. If we're going to have peace from God, we first of all must have peace with God. So watch this. And it's not new for you either. Once you have peace with God, then you can have peace with yourself. Then you can have peace with who? With others. This is my neatest handwriting today. So when you and I have peace with God, then I can have peace with myself. Now, follow me on this. Oh, pastor, I'm good with myself. No, not if, you, not if you're not at peace with God. Because you know what you have and what I have? You have a past. You have sin. You have, you have ugly things that you've thought and done. You have things that people have seen you do, but they have not seen what you thought about doing. And there's, there's ugly. There's acid. There's, there's stuff in us. And, and you know what? And the things that were done to us. And things that we caused. And we got all of those things. And it's hard to reconcile those things and live your life. It, you're, we're conflicted in that way. But when you get peace with God, Jesus himself made peace through the cross. So he took all the things that were between God and, and myself and yourself with God that blocked us from having peace. And it says he took those things and he nailed them to the cross and he took them out of the way and he paid the price. It was in some of our songs this morning, our guilt, our shame, our failures. You can hide and act like, Oh, don't bother me. I'm good. Don't judge me. I'm good. Yeah. Right, right, right. Only the blood of Jesus Christ wipes that away. It takes that out of your life. And he did that for you, not based on some test you passed, not some performance that you, you held up to. He did it just because of his grace and just because of his love. And it's like, you want to be connected to me? See, I love you. I have wonderful plans for your life. I paid a dear price so that I wouldn't lose you so that you would be mine. And we got peace with God. And when you got peace with God, it's like that. I'm fully aware of me, but God, thank you. Thank you for your grace, for your love in my life. And you know what? Then when you get that conflict out of your life and you get your past and your present and your future kind of all reconciled in God, you have peace with yourself. And then when you have peace with yourself, you can be all right with some other people. I've been, I've been forgiven us so much, I can afford to forgive you. God's been so patient with me, I can afford to be patient with you. And we can be at peace with others. James tells us, though, he says, there's wars and fightings among you with others. He says, because there's war and conflict within you. And it's once we get this settled, and the only way to settle that is peace with God. Peace with God. Peace with self. Peace with others. And then we're going to have a peace from God that helps us in that way. Did you follow on that? In Matthew chapter 5. 
Verse 8 in the, par- in the uh, message paraphrase, it says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God and the outside world. It's a wonderful thing when we have peace with God. All right. Peace comes in two ways. First of all, God will infuse peace into you. It really means this, to pour into, to pour onto. How many of you have had God pour his peace into you before? Come on, how many of you, and it's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't figure this out. I didn't earn this. And I... And thank you, God, for his peace. I just want to see you again, because this is worth celebrating this morning, okay? His peace. God will infuse his peace. He will pour a peace into your soul. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. It passes understanding. God will do that. That's one way that we get peace. I'm so thankful for that peace. How many of you have ever had somebody give you something and you messed it up? Okay. How many of you ever broke a toy on Christmas Day? Okay. Well, God gives us his peace and then sometimes we mess it up. So here's, here's the other way to get peace. God will infuse and God will instruct. We get peace from God and we get peace from doing things God's way. Okay? So we're going to get peace from God and then we also get peace from doing things God's way. Let's look real quick in Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32, verse 17, the effect of righteousness. Notice this, the effect of righteousness. Let me define the word. The Hebrew word for righteousness there means to do or be right. It's God's way of doing it. To do or to be right. God's way of doing it. The effect of righteousness will be. All right, let's leave that up there. Just The effect of doing things God's way will be. And let's go on with the rest of the verse here. And the result of righteousness, same word, to do or to be right, God's way of doing it. The result of righteousness is what? Quietness and trust forever. Uh, Let's do it again. And the result of doing things God's way will be quietness and trust forever. It sounds a lot like what he wanted, that peaceful habitation, secure dwellings and quiet resting places. And so God will, yes, God will infuse peace. But you know what else you have to do? You, You have to do things God's way, too. We've got to do things God's way. You know, if we don't do things God's way, everything's temporary. Think about peace with God, peace with self, and peace with others. How many of you know that you can do anything temporarily? I mean, I could talk to you on the phone and fool you temporarily that I'm from Jamaica or Australia. Very temporarily. I, I could tell you I have a black belt in karate until you ask me to do something. You know, we can act that way. You know, we can do anything temporary. But see, we, we've got to work this. God's got to help us with this. We've got to do things God's way and not just be temporary. You, you, well, maybe not you, but some of the earlier services. Some of y'all are just temporarily nice just when you come to church. I mean, we put on our church face, our church smile teeth and wig and, and, and we, we, no joke, true story, standing out at that door, greeting people probably a year, year and a half ago, little boy and his mom coming through the door. And 
He's trying to tell me something. Mom's standing right there. And he, and he goes, I like my church, mom. And I thought, is he telling his mom he likes church? And, and I said, what, little buddy? And he goes, I like my church, mom. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, I like my church, mom, better than my home, mom. Yeah, good luck, little buddy. <laughs> Jesse James. Have a good right there. Hey. So we're gonna have to do things God's way. All the time. You know, the Bible even says in Proverbs, it says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he will cause his enemies to be at peace with him. God will neutralize people that are against you when you make your ways pleasing to him. He'll even cause that surrounding collateral peace to be around you. Now, I always hesitate to do this, to give you a list of things. I I always try to give you one or two things. If I give you a list, it ends up on paper. If I give you one or two things, you're able to grab those things. They penetrate your heart, penetrate your mind. You're able to apply those things. But the list I'm going to give you today, you've got to know the things that make for your peace, Scripture says. I'm going to give you a little list. They're intuitive. You don't, I mean, I don't even need to explain these things. You know these things. But I want to remind you of these things in this context so you realize, yes, peace comes from God, but peace also comes from doing things God's way. So infuse and instruct. So here's just a list. I might comment on one or two of them, but, but here we go. Here's one of them. Here's know the things that make for peace. Hold your peace, which is a Bible way to say, be quiet. There are times where Jesus and other just hold your peace, which means you feeling like you need to say something. Y'all ever felt like you need to say something? Hold your peace. It means to be quiet. Let me just ask you this. How many of you have ever blown the peace right out of water by something you said? And it's because this, because our little, our little brain is going, oh, yeah, uh-huh. And you can't control it. And you think, if I think it, I'm supposed to say it, right? That's why you live alone in a tree, you know? And sometimes we need to just hush my mouth and just be quiet because you got to know the things that make for peace. Let me say this on the same thing too. Be slow to speak. Take a little time on that. And and I got to add this one in. I'm sorry while I'm out there. I already got you upset. So stop interrupting. It really grates against, against peace. Do you know what you're doing when you interrupt? You're saying... What I want to say is so superior to what you're saying. You're blathering on. I have to. I must cut you off right now. And maybe you're not really meaning to do that, but you know what? We need to curb your enthusiasm a little bit. Don't interrupt people. Honor people in that way. Now, if they go on blathering for four hours, you might want to. Hold your peace. Number two, when you do speak, speak words that are seasoned with grace. Thirdly, repent. Repent. You know, if you got sin in your life, sin depresses. 
Sin agitates. Sin ruins. You've got to repent. You've got to cut it out. You need to apologize. Everybody say apologize. Um, and then on the other end of that, forgive. There can be such tension and lack of peace because there's not peace between two people. Guess what? Everybody else in the family is going to feel it. I can remember times where my parents would be fighting and all the rest of us were just kind of locked up. Had nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. I, I take my brother and sister in the room and entertain them. It was just, you know, something to do to try. But just I can still remember that. You, you know what we're talking about. There, what you've got to do is somebody needs to apologize and somebody needs to forgive. You need to know the things that make for peace. Spiritual disciplines. Make sure you have spiritual disciplines. Can I zero in on one or two just real quick this morning? Solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. You've got to get still. You've got to get quiet before the Prince of Peace. I I shared with you months back, if we took a big jar of muddy river water and we got that swirling around, if you will take that jar and just set it and let it be still and give it some time, the law of gravity will cause the things to settle and to clear up. In the same way, the law of spiritual gravity, there's chaos in your soul. And if you'll just get still and allow some time, I believe that peace and clarity can come on the inside. But if we're always going, just always going, always going, you know, that's not going to happen. You're not going to have peace. And, uh, you know, the fallout of that. Another thing, chase heaviness, chase heaviness. We've talked about this. Sometimes the heaviness is just the enemy of your soul. And here's what you need to do. In the name of Jesus, leave me now. I do that. I don't know how many times during the week. It's like I can't identify this, but peace is not where it needs to be. Don't you wish we had gauges? You know, like your car does or whatever. You could like look at your arm and say, ah, I'm low on this. How many of you know when you're hungry? I'm low on lunch. I'm I'm coming up on low on lunch, okay? You know? But if you could just tell, you know, what's what's going on there. Hey, wow, I I can't really tell. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? And sometimes you can just recognize that the enemy of your soul would just like to park his cloud right over you. And then the authority of Jesus' name, you leave me now. You don't have to strip your throat. You don't have to do some kind of rain dance or anything else. You You can just, it's in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, worship. You need to worship in your house. I'm not talking about 24-7, but at some point on a daily basis, I think you need to bow before the Creator and the Redeemer in your house. Maybe lift your hands. Maybe lift your voice. Get some music in your house and worship God. You need to declare. Every time I come and go from my house, I declare peace to this house. When I pull up this afternoon, peace to this house. Next time I leave, peace to this house. Why? Because that's the most valuable thing in my house. So in your wife and your children, absolutely. But because of the value of them, I've got to have them in an atmosphere where there's peace. And so I'm mindful of that coming and going. That's what I want in my house. That's what I'm not coming and going big flat screen. Hot tub. Now, I don't, I don't peace to this house. You've got to so value it. So want, it. I'm going to tell you again, fight for peace. Fight for peace and get it forefront in your mind that that's what we want in our home. And then just real quick, before I close here, pray. It's kind of like a no-brainer. Pray. David in Psalm 4, he's surrounded by an enemy. There's opposition. There's rebellion. There's, there's threat. There's stress. 
And David prays. And can I tell you something about all those problems? Can I tell you where they came from? From family. There's such crazy things going on in his family. And now his son Absalom is now working against him. Betrayal and everything else. And you know what David does? He prays. He prays. And you get down to verse 7 and verse 8. And he says, you have put gladness in my heart. I got all this going on. But you put gladness in my heart. More than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. God will give you peace no matter what is going on around it. Listen, God will give you peace. Peace comes from God. And peace comes from doing things God's way. The most valuable thing in your house should be God's manifest presence, peace. You need to fight for that peace. It's our responsibility. All of us, all of us add to this. All of us do the things that make for our peace. So there's an atmosphere, an environment in our homes where we can grow and where we can heal. In closing, I just want to read this to you. I want you to just receive this from Numbers 6, 24 and 26. It's a benediction and it says, the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning?